Hello and welcome to The Culture Bunker, your weekly dispatch from the front line of pop culture. He's Alex Andreo. And she's Sean Pattenton. All of my heart now. This week we are thrilled to be joined by two techno titans. The soundtrack some of the best nights I can no longer remember. <laughs> Paul and Phil Hartnell of Orbital are with us, who released the Retro Future Spective Best of and Reworkings album 30-something at the end of this month. And Thor Blimey, we also watch Thor Love and Thunder, <laughs> starring Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson et al. In Taika Waititi's latest Marvel creation, Andrew Harrison will be contractually obliged to join us later. We've also seen Sky's new parenthood horror, as if all parenthood isn't <laughs> horror. The baby, where's the kid come from? What's he doing? And why is disaster never far away? Plus, we listen to London indie trillsters Super Organism and their latest album, Worldwide Pop. All this and more on today's Culture Bunker. Welcome to the Culture Bunker, the arts wing of the Bunker podcasts. Let's dally no further and say hello to our special guests. Hello, Paul and Phil Hartnell, collectively known as Orbital. Hello. Hello there. How are you and where are you? Um, uh, we are currently in a shed in my garden um, because it's nice weather. We've been lounging in the garden all morning or, you know, the last hour or so waiting for this to begin. And um, yeah, it's a thoroughly lovely day in Brighton. I have to say, listeners, the shed looks bigger than my flat, but we'll <laughs> let that one go. <laughs> uh, it would be remiss of us not to mention just the insane week we've had in politics. Have you been glued to the news as we have all been in bunker towers? I have been until the. It's that I, I love it. It's, it was fascinating watching you know Boris crumble. But when you get the people just talking, talking to that make trying to make stuff, I turn off. Then do you know what I mean? And go and watch the baby or something like that. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's been fascinating to watch and now it's like a sporting event isn't it the, the, the lineup of who's going to take over who's got more points than someone else for taking over and all they're not experienced enough and though i've been in the military and it's just hilarious watching all these people yeah. kind of scuffling for the top job no i've missed it i've missed it all normally i'm glued to the uh, like sort of channel hop on news channels you know al jazeera and all that sort of thing bopping around but i've been out in greece with uh, dealing with something else com- completely and not seen any of the uh, news or the political thing. And I was happy to say that my EasyJet was uh, delayed only 30 minutes. I managed to log on and look at Al Jazeera, and it's like, there, Boris Johnson resigning. I'm going, oh, right, okay, here we go. (laughs) Here we go is right. Orbital are named after the M25 in reference to the illegal raves of the 80s. Is there still... A political dimension to what you do? I think so, but it's a, it's a, I, I, you know, I think it's political with a small p. Do you know what I mean? I don't really, I, I, I tend to come from the anarcho-punk background of all politicians are liars and cheats, and I don't really, you know, adhere to much of their nonsense. But you know, I, I think we're we're political more in a kind of social sense. I would say, do you know what I mean? It's more about not aligning yourself with someone, but just you know, trying to get people to question life it's 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 also it's kind of philosophical as well you know Mm, it's mm. that kind of that kind of thing you know things like climate change comes up a lot and the environment and things like that which is a more general thing isn't it yeah Um, rather than politics but obviously politics does impact that because we only 
implement what we need to do if the government are willing to do that kind but, of thing. But yeah. when you say, uh, like, oh, we, we named ourselves after the M25 raves, that, and uh, that wasn't really political at all. But it was in a, in a sense to go, oh, fuck you, not taking any notice of us, because obviously punk were pointing out quite a few things, and they just didn't do anything. And then, you know, then it was raves around the uh, M25, which is, I don't know whether it's a, that's politics anyway. I think it's, um, well, it's, it's, it was it's twofold. It was, it was a, a mate of mine, Chris Daly, came up with a name, sat around the kitchen table late one night, um, and he came up with Orbital Madness, you know, but based on, you know, everything that was going on. And it was like, for me, it, it worked because the M25 was, was built while we were living in Dunton Green and cut through our village. And it was like, yeah, come on, you know. It's the mm. it was it was the, the the new thing you know the, the the first new entry into the village for years. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> this huge motorway cut, cutting through. We used to ride bikes up and down it before it was open. It was brilliant, and um, so it it kind of you know it kind of felt like a homely name as well. But it was for me after coming up through punk as well. It was really political in that sense. But Thatcher made it political. Uh, she like you know spent huge amounts of money you know uh, into police. Uh, smashing these places down yeah you know, well yeah. they started with things yeah. like the the, the the convoy you know the the travelers the traveling yeah. you know yeah. um yeah exactly well that they stopped they, the housing that you know so you know people leaving home couldn't like get any benefit or anything like that so they created the new age travelers in a sense mm, and yeah, that absolutely. went hand in hand with uh like the rave sort of didn't yeah you know, i mean i was like, watching the battle of the beanfield stuff recently and it's just like it's kind of it's yeah. really shocking watching that footage again. Yeah, yeah. It's like a rejection. It's like yeah, punk going, you yeah, fuck the system. You know, like you, you know, we're not happy, and they go. Bleh. And then the rave, the rave culture just went. Oh well, you're not listening. We're going to go off and do our own thing. And for some reason, Thatcher didn't like that. It feels more political in retrospect than it did at the time because I was c- kind of part of it at the time, and it felt it felt a lot like a rebellious thing, mm. like we were having fun. But it didn't yep. feel like an overtly political statement. But looking back at those documentaries, mm. it really seems much more political yeah, yeah, looking at it made from it, today. It made it uh, like that. It was just like, what harm are we doing? We're going over there, no fights, actually came on. Everybody loved each other. It like totally smashed the uh, macho sort of disco, the macho... Uh, yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, discos right. weren't violent anymore. You know, you could yeah. actually... Do, like, don't say remember like, those times. You know, you used to go <laughs> and, you know... Get, go to a disco and be and live in terror of being yeah. glassed in the face. That's what discos <laughs> so used true. to be. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So true. Or on your way up the street. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you think it's important that musicians should have a conscience? And I'm not saying <laughs> political, sorry, but should have some sort of thing. I don't really. I think music is is a medium yes. that you can you can explore anything in. Do you know what I mean? M- music can be. You know, it's like look up. You know, musical theatre. You know, sometimes that's just there for pure fun. But even that, you know, you know, even even Wicked's got a point to make. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's like, but people can't help themselves. It's a it's a voice, isn't it? Music and even instrumental music gives you an emotion. So it's kind of saying something. I think you yeah. know, it might be psychedelic in order to kind of you know freak you out if you're on drugs. It might be overtly you know political like billy bragg or something like that you know mm. it, it, what we tend sorry yeah. to interrupt what we tend to do is like you know when you said what does god say 
you yeah. know, you tend to find like you know like voice things from you know programs or whatever. You go, oh wait, actually that's that's. That's all. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah. What does God say? We you like know, to pose that, a psychedelic question, question, don't we? Yeah, you know, it's like you know a kind of slightly abstract <laughs> question and that kind of thing. It's just like, like wicked. <laughs> it's like, you know, we don't want to like force our opinions. We just like uh, expressing our own in a way and going, look, he's seen this, you know. Yeah. Before we move on, a reminder: you can get the Culture Bunker and all our shows early and without adverts when you support the Bunker on Patreon. That means daily episodes on politics, science, pop culture, and much more. Plus, all manner of special one-off shows just for subscribers. Just search Patreon Bunker Podcast to find out more. Saturday night in South London, hundreds of young people are gathering to the latest craze, an acid house party in a disused warehouse. <laughs> Welcome once more to brothers Phil and Paul, a.k.a. Orbital. They are still gathering, listeners, for the latest craze. Paul, can you tell us about the opening track, Smiley, and the World in Action programme that it's taken on? From. Absolutely. You do that so well. Yeah, do you know you what do. I mean? That's, that's, that, well, yeah, we, instead of um, buying that clip from ITV, we could have just got you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so much dinner. Yeah, a lot cheaper. We could, have, <laughs> we could have paid you half the money. Job done. But, exactly. Um, yeah, no, that, was, um, that, that, was, that <laughs> came about soon after I'd been beaten up at a party in Sevenoaks, um, at Pembroke Road it was. And, and it basically, a bunch of kids older than us used to, you know, in the summer, you used to have parties in, in woodlands and things like that. And in the winter, squat a house for a couple of days, have a party, leave. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, like a, a, a decrepit building, you know, a, a, a totally unused thing, oh, in, in the, as in the nature of squatting. But when Acid House happened, all of a sudden, nobody liked them anymore. We used to do this for years without any hassle. And it wasn't a problem until the kind of um, this is that Thatcher thing. We yeah, yeah. About. Well, it's the the, mm. the, the what, what do you call it? Is it well, there's a word for it, isn't there? Is it not cultural panic, um, moral panic? Is that what it is when mm. when yeah, the yeah. media whip up a storm, a, a fear around something? Leah Betts. And there was yeah. all of that. This was this was way pre Leah Betts. Oh, right. But um, and it was, I think so. Anyway, that no, no. Um, don't correct me if I'm wrong. But um, it was. Yeah, so so I, I got beaten up. Loads of other people got beaten up. Um, they yeah. really over over egged it. They sent the police from four different um, counties, including the Met, down, and they were really heavy handed. You know, I know someone who got bitten by a police dog and then got fined in court for cruelty to animals because he kicked it away. Um, someone right. else got their head rammed into the police station window, which cracked. Um, and it got completely whitewashed over. They they investigated it. The, the police complaints authority investigated it for two years, mm. told me direct quotes of what I'd said at the time, mm. and it was accurate. So I know they collected loads and loads of evidence. And then at the end of it all, they said, oh, the, the evidence is inconclusive. You know, they just mm. totally fudged it. And then mm. World yeah. in Action decided to do their documentary about the, you know, the new craze acid house. And part of that, they came to talk to us in Seven Oaks mm. about what had happened. Because the problem is, because Seven Oaks is, you know, it's got its kind of working class element, but it's also very posh and and very right wing leaning. And mm. so there were people there, you know, like I can't remember the, the woman's name, but Lady Somebody, her son was at the party, and there, you know, there was the um, she was great though, wasn't she? She was brilliant, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there was the daughter of the editor of The Independent and things like that. And we wow, got a piece okay. in The Independent. Yeah. And yeah. and so, you know, it, it was um, – they, they went there and they interviewed us and, and that's the documentary. So, you know, and I thought 
30 years of orbital. Let's do a track that's kind of goes right back to that bit just before orbital happened. Yeah. And explore that moment. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, it's kind of got some retro sounds going on and it's got, you know, it, it shows you where we were, but at the beginning before orbital happened. Um, yeah. You know, and and also, you know, I've all, I've often thought I really fancy sampling myself off of <laughs> off of that documentary. If that isn't meta, I don't know what is, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, absolutely. And, it, and it's the opening track. Um, we'll talk a bit more in a moment, but let's listen first to a bit of the brand new Yotto mix of the Orbital Classic Belfast to get us in the spirit. Remember, all tunes are on our rolling playlist, listeners. The link is in the show notes, so give it a listen. So Belfast is a hardy orbital favourite and it's named after a particularly wild weekend, apparently. Do you still get the same buzz from hearing it 30 years later? Yeah, I, I, I love it. They're like old friends, these these songs. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. like, you know, you sort of you start playing it on stage and it's, it's kind of like, yeah, thanks, old mate. You know, you've kept, <laughs> you've kept me here. Do you know what I mean? Because of mm. these bits of music. So I never feel like, oh, God, I've got to play Belfast in China. No. It's kind of like. And now we get into the bit where I can play you. And they still surprise me. The arrangements still mm. go wrong and still change and develop. <laughs> and I'm never quite like, I think, what should I do next then? How am I going to play this? It, it, Belfast is very particular like that, actually. I'm often quite, kind of deciding in the moment what to do. And um, and that's good. You know, Because like, you don't play to backing tracks, do you? You actually do do so much of it live. Yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all sequences yeah. in little loops yeah. and you just kind of... Uh, jam and improvise the the arrangement you know with uh, samplers and and midi and and fiddle with synths and that kind of thing so it's it's totally loose so you know a saturday Mm. night kind of crowd might require a different belfast to a sunday night slightly hungover crowd or something like that and but you kind of (laughs) the audience you know and and you know sunday night gigs are definitely slightly mellower i think sometimes you know but what it was with belfast you know we grew up in the 70s and that you know all belfast all about the trouble and all the Mm. all we knew about belfast it was really you know the british army over there like terrorizing everyone basically and when we got when David Holmes got us over there, everybody was so beautiful and lovely and, you know, da, 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 da. they really liked that demo that Paul were left him with. And it sort mm. of sums up the beauty, you know, because you normally, as you go Belfast, we could do like a really ag- aggressive track, you know, da, da, da. but it's it's like to show, I don't know, it seemed to fit with the beauty of the uh, nature of the people we met that night. Yeah, we just thought it'd be nice to turn the tables a little bit and talk yeah. about, you know, <laughs> emotionally talk about Belfast yeah, in a in a in a positive light because it wasn't so it was, you know, seen as quite a scary place to, to Yeah, it's all Bobby Sands around that way before well, you. Yeah, it, is, it? Yeah, it still is we you know, you can say, yeah. It could be, you know, I, you know, be dodgy. What's the idea between 30-something? Because obviously this isn't a retrospective. This is reworkings. It's not greatest hits as such. It's, yeah. I, I, the simple answer, I'll try and keep it simple. I know I will tend to waffle, but um, it's basically the tracks that we that have remained in the live set 
you know, since their inception for 30 years that are the, the you know, the evergreen classics that we always mm. play and it's presenting them in the way they are now. It's a studio version of how we play them live to basically, you know, illustrate, I guess, you know, look, look how, you know, how far or how different these tracks have come or how similar they are or whatever, you know, it's just like a mm. the natural a development Chinese whisper, of, of how they it? are. Yeah. It's like a Chinese yeah. whisper of the, you know, naturally we have to go back to the original and go, what? Oh, blimey, it sounded, the original sounded like that, did it? You know, yeah, I didn't even so, check the originals. Just, just kind of went for it and and reconstructed right. them like like they are. Like you know, it was a very quick process actually because I, you know, you you the the, the morphing process takes takes time. You know, you you jam them, but you kind of fall into a pattern with the tracks, and then they kind of develop slowly over time. You know, something happens, and then then it, if you know, mm. it's just like evolution. If you can believe that, but um, <laughs> it's you know it's one of those it's one of those. So they didn't have legs, and now they have legs and uh, exactly, yeah, ears and yeah, yeah. But, yeah. They were little tadpoles. Those have grown horns in all that but, uh, time. <laughs> but with the thirty, I was a bit like, oh, I don't know, which you know, like because we had a twenty, um, and yeah. what them, you know, how many times can you sell Belfast? That, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, how can we make this? How can we? Uh, I don't know, like sort of have a little pie about the 30th celebration. How can we do this? And this is where all the remixes come in, mm. um, which mm. well, I think is just really, well, for us, really interesting. Got some really, like, really, really uh, cool interpretations of the tracks from people that actually, uh, you know, want to do it, you know, love it, you know, and you can tell, you know, it's brilliant. So that was the project yeah. that we thought would be uh, exciting to, you know, to sparkle up the you know, another uh, decade. Yeah, so it's a twofold thing, really. It's how you know all the old favourites re-recorded yeah. in in how, yeah, they, how they are now, and then you yeah. know letting some of the, the, the some of those youngsters have a go at, <laughs> at the past and see what see what they come up with. You know, yeah. Apart from yeah, David absolutely. Holmes, obviously he did a version of Belfast for us because yeah. historically yeah. he had to. Do you know what I mean? We wouldn't, you know. Yeah, and his is sparkling and new, and it's great, and it sounds as if it could have been recorded yesterday. And interestingly, and, and we, I think up, his, we left him a tape yeah. of the yeah. original demo, which didn't have the vocal on it, and his remix doesn't have the vocal on it, which is interesting. Do you know he's, what I mean? It's like it's, he put a different vocal. kind of vocal texture yeah. in there, but yeah. he didn't use the the you know the the bit of classical music, which I find is quite interesting. He's kind of gone back to the original demo tape that nobody else knows, you know. Yeah, no, oh, I love his version. It's great on here. Um, you've worked with many, many diverse people, and only a smattering of uh, Stephen Hawking, Madonna, Professor Brian Cox, Craftwork. How do you approach people? How did you approach Stephen Hawking in the start? He well, did you just bring him up. I mean, is he in the phone? No, room? they 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 came to us because it was for the a Paralympic oh, right. opening ceremony. Of course, yeah. And they said, yeah. yeah, we need you to do a bit of music, but first you've got to do a bit of you know score that goes underneath Stephen Hawking doing a speech, and it's like, oh my. God, how fantastic is that? Mm. And then, you know, it, it all developed into, you know, the, our track, um, Where Is It Going? And and which mm. is an appropriate title for a man talking about the, you know, the future of quantum mechanics yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah, it just developed from there. And then it was like, well, he's done his little speech. Now we're doing it in our track. And it's like, well, why don't we make him sing? You yeah. know, so we, we yeah. got his bits of his speech and, and – um, you know, pitch corrected him in a in a, yes. in a current modern fashion, and and he was yeah. he was loving it. You know, he even donned the orbital glasses for the performance at the Paralympic brilliant. opening ceremony. He was, yeah. You know, one he of our brilliant. yeah, an honorary member of orbital. Oh, he was fantastic. 
<laughs> you played God with God there. That's <laughs> what you did by pitching him. Um, I mean, and again, I mean, hearing that track, and then there was so much in the news. Did you see this week about the Hadron Collider? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. people was... thought we were going to go through the wormhole again, which we may have done. It seemed like you know you could have written no, that what? track yesterday. No, I missed so it. Tell me more. What was that? I, mean, I, mi- I, I, I missed. Agree. Oh, there was. There's been a CERN thing. It was on the right. on the seventh. No, it was on the fifth of July. I've always, it was said, a CERN that. Thing. I've always said they that did some playing. That. They play around with stuff. They don't really know what the consequences are, in my opinion. And I've always said the, uh, the Hadron Collider is going to make a, a black hole and we're just going to go up our own arse. You know what I mean? It's going to suck us yeah. in. Boom. There's a certain, ma- certain section of the internet who are still saying that at the moment. So you I know, Shall I ring Brian Cox and he'll put us all well, straight no, no, on I'm that? Not because so sure he's not, he, he, you know he'll tell you now, what Philip. It made a wormhole. It's happen. It made a wormhole. I'm, I mean, I mean, I'm a bit more relaxed. At least it's a quick way to go. <laughs> you know, well, it might be not, quite good fun. Right? You're not going to know what happened. You'll just <laughs> no, blink out of I know, existence. Yeah. Well, maybe we all went through it in our sleep and nobody noticed, and we're all yes. we're in a parallel yeah. universe. We're, we're literally what, yeah? upside yes. down. Uh, to coin a you know a popular cultural phrase, you know, we're we're, we're literally <laughs> in our up, own upside down version, which is just as you know, fantastic stroke uh, boring as the one we left. That's right. <laughs> you know, this is, this is literally looking like a meatloaf record cover. That's why Star Trek Hawaiian shirt is black and white rather than all colourful colours, like yeah. Pacific. Out of all the remixes, right? So Dusky, John Tajada, I'm, I'm pronouncing them all wrong, David Holmes, who's the best at keeping a deadline? Controversial. Considering we've had a deadline of about three years, hence why it's called thirty something and not thirty. I don't. I think everyone was off the hook on that one. But um, <laughs> um, but but we could go. For, David Holmes is a bit dodgy, wasn't he? He wanted to keep doing it and doing it, didn't he? Yeah, no, but he, they're just refining, like Yoris. Yeah, know, Yoris yeah. and David, they're craftsmen. They kept refining. Oh, hang on. I know. I just want to do a little tweet. Yoris yeah. was brilliant. Yeah, Yoris, yeah. Yoris, Yoris brilliant. kept developing yeah. it, you know, before they almost got an album out of him. think Anna was quick, wasn't she? Yeah, and she'd done it. She was quick, and then she was even okay. like banging on, you know, like from in a good way, you know, for uh, her management saying, Come on, what's going on? When are you going to release this? <laughs> but she like, did a little ambient extra mix. Yeah, she, she threw like, in two, a, an extra two mix. Two for the price of one, just because she loved it, though. She yeah. wanted to do that, and that's what we love. But Yoris, that was good. I, I was out in Ibiza, and then he sent me a, I knew he was doing mine, he sent me an email with it on, and I was just like, you know, everybody else had gone to bed, and it was just that sunrise thing. It's just perfect, but mm. like, in rotation about 10 times. And then, Wow. Just it, it, he yeah. was coming over to Ibiza, not even joking, and we were just leaving that day. But he was doing a daytime thing, so then we went to it, and he played it, and it's like, how good is that? It's not that was well, that was a moment. I bet. I bet the best time to get a remix then is when the sun is coming up yeah. when you're on the beach. Um, now, Paul, you do movie and TV soundtracks a lot, and you yeah. did the Pentaveret, didn't you, with Mike Myers? Yeah. How did you How did you get in contact with him? Is he a big, big fan? He's that we yeah. got a call, didn't we? We got no, we 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 he got a call us. from. Um, it was literally just one of the writers rung up and said, "Hey, you know, we want to use your track, the box, for the theme tune to the new Mike Myers thing." You know, yeah. pick your drawer up off the floor and go, yeah. "Wow, yeah. okay, yeah, that's okay." You know, um, mm. and then he said, "Look, you know, the, the director lives in Brighton. I'm going to send him round." So, up. Uh, tips tim kirkby and and sits there and I, i'd had it all worked out in my head to say you know if you want to use that any chance of letting us have a go at the score and within the first sort of 30 seconds to a minute he said yeah no we, we really love it we love it so much do you want to do the score and it's like oh 
oh, that was easy. And um, it just it just happened. It's one of those natural kind of things that just fell into place. It was it was lovely. It was a great process, and the idea behind the pentaver it was just. It, like the box was waiting for a program like that. It really mm, was. Yeah. It was sort of made yeah. for that in a way. Well, yeah, it was literally yeah, it was an attempt like... at doing something that was, you know, a jungleist version or, you know, influenced kind of thing from all those TV shows we used to love from the 70s that, you know, like, like, like The Prisoner and um, mm. The Champions and The Avengers and all, you know, all of those, all of those kind yeah. of things. And it was, um, yeah, so it was an attempt at doing, you know, something like that, you know, some kind of psychedelic spy intrigue show theme tune. Yeah, it totally works, doesn't and, it? Yeah, Perfect. and then all of a sudden yeah. it fa- it finds one, so, you know, 25 years later, which is exactly <laughs> yeah. that. It's perfect. Yeah. Now, you're playing um, lots of live events over the summer. What, what are some of the best countries to play in? What, who are the audiences that are really up for it? Um, um, Scotland, Ireland, Ireland. The, you yeah. know, the UK in general is is pretty darn good. We did one um, in Athens recently, and there's a connect, definite connect. We're going to like miss out on people, you know. People, we didn't say oh yeah, that. yeah, no, but I know I'm going to I'm going to say it like it is. Um, yeah. The Spanish seem to love us. Oh yeah. for some oh yeah un- unknowable reason. Scandinavians are quite into us as well, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. The Germans and the French really aren't sure. Um, <laughs> have you ever played Mykonos, which is where I'm from? No, never played. Oh, Mykonos. That's we have played Mykonos. Have funny, played. You should, funny, you should, Mykonos. Funny you should say that because I've been out in in Greece for a while, and then yeah. my mate he knows that he's, he's got another mate that's uh, quite a big promotory type guy that's out in Mykonos, and I've just like sent him over a load of live uh, links so they can see us because normally it's a square peg in a round hole. And so we yeah. might, so I'm working on well, that because they do they do some massive like uh, full moon beach Ooh, raves that yeah, are insane. Yeah. genuinely amazing. They're like they're like ancient yeah. pan yeah. <laughs> celebrations. They go a little bit wild. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Where do I yeah. find? Go on, so set one up. Set one up. Set one up. Yeah, do it. Get it done. Sounds yeah. like the Wicker Manos. You know, <laughs> <laughs> terrifying though. At the same time, what's on your rider? Has it changed in the past thirty-something years? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, originally it was nothing because you didn't get one back in nineteen ninety. Um, yeah. yeah, if you were lucky, you got sent out for a curry. Um, <laughs> so, well, has it changed? Well, has it changed uh, for for me? It's now the only requirement on my rider is um, some bottles of local craft ale. Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know, or real ale, depending on where you are. You know, you have to word it correctly because that can go horribly wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I like local beer and I like Red Bush tea, and that's about it. And we and we get there's a, a, a bottle of champagne and a bottle oh, of yeah. vodka. Bottle of vodka. Uh, we've tried to <laughs> cut down on the plastic. Go no plastic things. We've got, you know like fever tree, or, you know stuff like that. Good, good. Uh, good there's good. things that are hang ups from. Uh, uh, Front of house engineers that we used to have, like like Haribo's and yeah, six pack of Guinness. Yeah, yeah we've like, only finally managed to get that off the rider. Did that's, it? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's that's Mickey Man. Yeah, Mick, the Mickey Man has been there for years. Oh. Big bag of tank fastics. Yeah. <laughs> Lastly, I have a I have a question from listener Sophie, who says, "Tell Paul, I think he should have stayed in Noddy and the Satellites with Jolly Delafons." Sophie is from Sevenoaks. Tell us more, Paul. Well, Sophie, if you're from Sevenoaks, you should know that Johnny Delafons was. Only in Noddy and the Satellites. I thought I was going to say he wasn't in Noddy and the Satellites. He wasn't ah. in the original lineup. 
um, which was, you know, the How long did they last? How long did not even the satellites last? Too long. But um, it was, no, originally there were four of us. Uh, we nearly right. all got tattoos as well, oh. we ne- you know, which you know, in a, in a Lord of the Rings Hobbit kind of style. Um, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't get What's it. Which the, in the satellite? Yeah, no, the, it was just the logo, which oh, was right. a badly drawn version of what Noddy's head with an atom oh. thing around it, which oh, ended up being the orbital logo oh, kind of thing, you know. So it would, you know, yeah. it would have been like, why have you got an orbital logo with Noddy in the middle of it? And that would have been <laughs> the pain of my life in the swimming pool, you know. Um, right, but. So we didn't, but I th- when I left, I left to um, pursue a more electronic career. And I think Johnny Delafons took over drums f- from me, right. who then went on yeah. to be the long-term drummer of um, the Alabama Three. That's right, yes. Well, thank you, Sophie. <laughs> You've yeah. got your answer. So 30-something is out at the end of July. I believe there were some delays in what we bl- blaming... What do we know the delays were Bre- from? Brexit. Brexit. It's Brexit all the way, you know, because basically everything's been made. It's all there in a container mm-hmm. ship, mm. uh, sorry, a container truck in France, and it can't get through the new Brexit red tape customs business, oh, basically. It's, actually, yeah, it's being everything. held up by the British Customs and Excise, you know. Everything they said was a load of bollocks, but we know that, right? But then actually in practice, our, our, our industry – now we have to have carnets, which is a list of every all of our equipment. We have to go make sure we're not importing, exporting on the quiet. So we have to do that, mm. uh, which costs money. We have to have visas to we visas in, to go to Greece. We went to Athens and played there. It was it cost us a fortune for visas. You know, it's um, ridiculous. Mm. So, so you know, but you know, the, the the fortunate position is it cost us a, it cost us loads to get visas to go to Athens, but we could afford to do it. Whereas mm. but younger, yeah, yeah. Bands, younger bands, the younger bands that are going in a split yeah. van, then there's no way they're going to do it. They can just about squeeze a carne, uh, you know, and, and mm-hmm. vice versa. Coming over here, you know, you get a young bands, and they they just can't afford it uh, to do yeah. the carne, do this. I don't know whether they have to get a visa. I'm not sure about that, but you know, um, some countries do that, and some countries don't. I think yeah. France are a little bit lenient if you play over there, but. It, it's like crippling subculture, you know. Yeah, the Brexit yeah. is still having that effect. Ridiculous. It will be out end of July, oh, won't it? Yeah. And what Brexit? Yeah, from us. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice if Brexit was out by <laughs> then. Be over. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> right, the will of the will of the will of the people. Have a laugh. So when have the Conservatives ever done the will? Taken in notes the will of the people. It's, mm. You know. Just consider this, Phil. Maybe in the parallel reality that hasn't gone through the wormhole. Boris hasn't resigned. No. <laughs> maybe we're maybe we're living the good parallel reality. The good Boris. Yeah. Oh my God, let's let's stop. Anyway, you, it could have been worse. What are you saying? It could have been worse. I prefer yes. the image that, that, as I said, we all got sucked down this wormhole. Boris got stuck in the plug hole and prevented. <laughs> there, one half of Boris in one world, and the other. Oh no, we don't want Boris in I'm, two worlds. I'm no, going for my that. Greek passport no. and getting out of it. I'm telling you. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, it's all the bangers all the time, 30-something. Out at the end of July. We love it. You know we love it at the bunker here. We're going to have a bit more orbital. Here's your update of demonic, satanic favourite, Satan. Tell us a bit about Satan, guys. Well, yeah, well, S- Satan came about. Again, that's pre-Chime, actually. That's yeah. that's older than Chime. Um, mm. You know, older than time itself, Satan. No, it's, um, <laughs> it came about time. in sympathy for, um, oh, God, what's the? I've forgotten the name of the band. Uh, British Steel, heavy metal band from the Midlands. 
Um, it? Rob Halford. What's his name? What's that? What's that? What's band? his name? Judas Priest. Um, Judas Priest. Judas Priest. I Judas always Priest try and I always end up saying Iron Maiden. I don't really like Iron Maiden. I like Judas mm. Priest. They're good. Mm. And um, it was. I remember reading the 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 stuff about the court case about them being had up for doing satanic, you know, backwards voices on their. Yeah. on their record and that kind of thing, having subliminal messages. And we thought, well, sod that. Let's do it. Yeah, know, how dare you? How dare you, Christian Wright, say that kind of thing? We're going to do a heavy metal hip-hop track <laughs> that puts where Satan on his sleeve. It's about Satan. Look, there you go. Yeah. Now have a now criticise us. Yeah. It, this one says Satan going forwards. What do you want to do about it? It you says know? Jesus loves you if you play it backwards. Yeah, don't tell people. I know. Jesus, you know, Satanists will be after you. Why not? Well, yeah. think I could bet. <laughs> we, we didn't yeah, have don't that. fall out with the we Satanists. Once. We were in Poland once. We had the Catholic uh, women's group with Pope like banners and everything outside, so, like warning, warning people about us. So he was like, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> that was, okay, that was on that note, let's give it a listen. Satan, the 30 something mix. Thor, Love and Thunder sees the Marvel version of the Norse god played by Chris Hemsworth go up against Gore, the god butcher, an almost unrecognizable Christian Bale. Our favorite Scandi beefcake is ably assisted, indeed often saved, by Natalie Portman's Dr. Jane Foster, Tess Alexander's Valkyrie, and Jamie Alexander as Sif. Let's have a listen to the trailer. The only ones who gods care about is themselves. So this is my vow. All gods will die. I just want to say that was very, very impressive what you did back there. This is my first bad guy. You never forget your first. And let's welcome Andrew Harrison, resident Marvel Oracle. Excelsior. <laughs> Andrew, front. what did you make of it? Well, you will be amazed to learn, Alex, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> the Thor movies used to be the most tedious of the Marvel canon, and now they're the funniest and the best. And, and it all started with Ragnarok, where they got Taika Waititi on board, who understands the inherent ridiculousness of a super muscly Viking <laughs> flying around the universe with a hammer, uh, dispensing cod Shakespearean dialogue. Um but because Chris Hemsworth is such actually quite a great comic actor, the, the ridiculousness, ridiculousness of that and the heroism can coincide at the same time. I, I really loved it. Obviously, I've been waiting, waiting for this film since <laughs> about four years old, so I'm slightly biased in favour of it. But I really did enjoy it. it is, it's definitely the most metal Marvel movie yet. They've really leaned into the hair metal aspect of it. I think Taika Waititi understands that Thor is basically David Coverdale. Mm -hmm. Hello, I'm David Coverdale with a hammer. Mm -hmm. And uh, as, as, as 
I leaned into that enormously. There's a load of metal on the soundtrack. The graphics are all airbrushed chrome. Um, the scenarios are absurd and over the top. It wars with mutants, all the rest of it. But beneath it all, you mentioned the, 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 the villain, Gore the God Butcher. Now, this was... Allow me to nerd out a little bit here. This is, yeah, this go was on. A, this is, this is a core theme of... Um, uh, one of the one of the comics arcs where they basically resurrected Thor as a, as a as a viable interesting character. What they've done in this movie is they've actually smushed together two stories. One is the story of Gore, the God Butcher, who is a creature whose gods fail him, and they don't just fail him; they mock him, and he conceives a hatred of all gods. And his mission is to go to the universe, killing them all, and. To me, that's like that is the Thor story. Thor is a god. It's basically Hitchens. Essentially, yes. It's it's a he's a he's a god with a philosophical background. It's like why do these the gods that we worship? Why do they keep failing us? And that produced a really fascinating and really involving comic arc. They've jammed it together with another one, which is where and this is in no way a spoiler. Jane Foster, love interest since time, mm. um, becomes Thor becomes the a female incarnation of Thor. The, the called the, Mighty Thor, isn't she? She's Mighty Thor, yeah. She's not to the to the fury of my niece Thora called <laughs> Thora. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> I would have loved Mighty Thora. But um so we have the story of uh simultaneously Thor feeling slightly unmanned, shall we say, by the fact that his ex is running around with his hammer, doing his heroism, showing off his pecs and generally being his, you know, playing his role. And much as I enjoyed the film, these two kind of parallel things, they, they don't exactly mesh. Mm. And I didn't feel mm. that we fully explored the whole idea of, you know, because Gore, as a villain, as someone who hates gods, is actually the person that I would be more on the side of because I'm not a believer in, in, in the supernatural. And I find that, you know, it, this was a, almost a kind of hair metal Marvel transposition of Pascal's wager. You know, mm. what if it's all nonsense? What mm. if it's all bullshit? And that, the scenes of where Gore becomes, you know, kind of you know, develops this thing that's going to drive his life are really, really heartbreaking. Um, it's, that, I mean, it's fascinating to hear you say that because I don't know the comic yeah. provenance. And and what I've got on my nose is that it feels like two different films glued together. Mm. Yeah. One being a very broad slapstick slapstick sort of rom-com. Yes. And the other one being like the bits with Christian Bale in the final segment. Yes. It's really a very dark brooding superhero yes. action. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure the mix worked for the, me. That, I, 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 I didn't know what yeah. film I was watching. I sort of didn't mind that because I felt I was enjoying two parallel films um, which uh, didn't need to cross-pollinate too much. Yeah. I think if you're simply doing the gore story it's too grim. And by the way Gore is so much like Lawrence Fox in this movie. <laughs> and also, I have to say, maybe this is me being obsessed, yeah. but listen, I, th I think uh, Chris Hemsworth decided to lean in to the Boris Johnson aspect of Thor's waffle. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'm going to fly off with a hammer. Pericles. <laughs> Last time we ever need to mention Boris Johnson in the context of a Marvel movie. But you're right. They are they are two parallel movies. And the kind of the, the, the rom-com is really well played and very, very funny. Natalie Portman, better comic actor than I thought. Mm. Of course, we've got Core. The guy made of rock, mm. who is a great comic creation for Marvel. For me, it was. I mean, I, we're not expecting depth from this, are we? We're not expecting. We're not expecting scenes from a marriage in Asgard. No, we're expecting no. a fun knockabout. No, no, no. I, I yeah. Um, 
It's just the the slapstick comedy side of mm. it. Yeah, at times felt a little bit to me like horrible histories doing mm. <laughs> Norse mythology, yeah. like it was sort of improvised and, and yeah. a little bit stuck together with with blue tack. That said, um, would watch horrible histories as it Obviously, but you'd have different expectations yeah, yeah, from yeah. it. What did you think of the narration by by the actual director, Taika Waititi himself, as a sort of framing device? Uh, that, that's that's Korg telling the story. Mm. Yeah. I like it because Korg's kind of Korg's kind of gentle, um, very New Zealand. Hello, mate. What are we doing today? Yeah. Sort of mm. um, um, sharp contrast to the fact that he's made of lava um, is one of the really charming and winning things about uh, Taika Waititi's take on on Thor. Um, it's also I enjoyed that. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's also it. deliberately, fundamentally ridiculous. Trying and to... wrong. Like yeah, gets get the facts gets wrong. Gets everything wrong all the time. So, yeah. so shows you one thing, and then mm. the narration undermines yeah. mm. it. Sean, did you laugh? Did you cry? Were you thrilled? Did you enjoy Chris Hemsworth's buttocks? <laughs> um, sort of. I laughed out loud, and I laughed out loud at the start of it. But I found it very thin, and I think it's because the weaving of the two stories. Mm. I'm a really big Tessa Thompson fa- fan. I think she's amazing in the Thor films. Mm. She gets pushed out for Natalie Portman, who is just essentially a superhero who may or may not be in love with Thor, but also there's the cancer storyline yes. I have to talk to. She's a superhero that sort of forgets she's got cancer until the bit where she has to say she's got stage four cancer. And I thought, I just think there are too many ideas being thrown here. And in the end, we get the spectacle, but we just don't get enough underneath of those really strong characters coming through. And it's nothing like Ragnarok. What Andrew, Ragnarok. Um, what Andrew was saying, it, it, it is sort all of... All of it is invested with a sort of Kerrang! exclamation yeah. point yes. soundtrack yeah. and has a Bill and Ted feel to it. Uh, but the action takes place entirely in sort of ageless god realms. Mm. How did the 80s vibe m- merge with the... With a sort of classical I think setting, it of it. pretty well. Yeah. And I th- but it's you know it's a bit of an in joke. It's again, it's another Guns and Roses reference. Again, yeah. it's something you know the the things that are naff that we're not supposed to supposed to like. Guilty pleasures plus Greek myths. I'm not sure that you know in the end it's just like could you dig deeper? I just think he should sometimes dig deeper because he can go off Tiger mm, Carty yeah. into something. What did you think of Russell Crowe as Zeus? Oh Alex. God! Do Tell me not about this. Get me. Do not get me fucking started. Do not get me started about that Greek accent <laughs> and that just ran playing some random Italian restaurant <laughs> on as Zeus. I. Mm. I, I mean, no, I dislike you. Russell Crowe mm-hmm. anyway. Um, because of his off-screen antics. And he's one of those actors that, for me, their persona outside Mm -hmm. their work really impinges on their work. Like, they Mm. appear on screen and I flinch. Mm. I genuinely just don't like the guy. But I, I just thought... The film was fun, but it was a bit of a mess. It felt like a very laddie film. Mm. Like, you know, you'd have to be... A seventeen-year-old boy, or <laughs> have the sensibilities of a seventeen-year-old boy. It's probably no offence, Andrew. No, okay. Let me. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, uh, poop on it, Andrew. I, I do want to ask you something specific. There are two short sequences, both of them a lot of fun. One involving the entire cast of Guardians of the Galaxy. Hmm. The other, a cast of sort of terrible actors doing a Thor play. Yes. With mm-hmm. Luke Hemsworth as Thor, Matt Damon as Loki, yeah. 
and Sam Neill as Odin, does Disney need to start reining in the budgets? Is the ability to do anything mm. a, good a good thing question. for creativity? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I actually think that this is a film that's all about excess and over-the-top ridiculousness, so I don't think you can censure it for that. That said... The joke play with the bad with the bad actors playing Loki and Thor has actually been done before in Guardians of the Galaxy, so they have done that one. And and in you know the Avengers, the musical that exactly. was the beginning so of they're slightly yeah. different. <clears throat> there might be outmetering their meta here. It's uh, it's a, maybe that's a little bit too much. The same with the Guardians of the Galaxy, because this is a crossover universe, and the idea that. Thor is kind of displaced and has got to find his new gang of pals. And he's decided, there are very funny bits where he's decided that he's kind of the owner of the Guardians of the Galaxy's ship and he's going to gift it to Peter Quill. And Quill's like, it's my ship. You're giving me my ship back. They're very yeah. good together. Yeah. I mean, that chemistry is always really good. I want to ask Orbital if they'd go and see Thor, Love and Thunder, would you? Both of you? As a collective thing? Totally. Totally. I yeah, would, I would, I probably wouldn't go to the cinema to see yeah. it. I'd definitely watch it on, um, on the telly, though. On a Saturday night with the family, you know. No, I'm up. For I enjoyed it. Ragnarok. Um, I, I, do, I do enjoy the, the Thor character. I think he's done done well with that. So, yeah, I'd definitely go and see it. I must say, I get a little bit fed up with Marvel. I, I like the Umbrella Academy. Oh, we like the Umbrella uh, Academy. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know. It's just got a little different sort of angle. I don't know. You know, always whatever. Um, I suppose maybe I'm not. You know, they're not used to them all. I do love the Thor and the Guardian yeah. of the Galaxy. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I am a bit bored of the Marvel Universe a little bit. Um, I, yeah. You know, I, give me the boys any day. No, but, you know, that's 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 my where not. I go for my Alex superhero fix nowadays. I love the boys. Now, Alex, I have to ask you one thing. Did you stay to the very end post-credit? Yes, yes, yes. But we can't say anything about we them can't say anything about without that. spoiling them. But, but, Genuinely, but we, it, can't. we can't. But it may redress certain things that Let, you were unhappy let's about earlier hope on. So. Let's hope so. Um, so it's mixed reviews in here, but Andrew's a boss, so it's five <laughs> stars. Five stars from this podcast. Thor, Currently Love and Thunder <laughs> is on general release from this weekend. Every week we ask our guests to bring in a current favourite track of theirs as a service to you, the listener. And when we can clear them, we play a bit, but we always put them on the rolling playlist. Phil Hartnell, what's yours and why do you love it? It's 1995 by Anne Me, right? And it's, uh, I just can't, I don't know, it's been a favourite for a long time. And the words, I don't like many words really, but this, uh, the words are sort of, Come drop, uh, or I see you know, how I feel about my wife, Stephanie, who's been having a bit of a hard time recently. I, I'd, actually, I'd like to dedicate this to her. And the words are, uh, I love the little squeaky voice that it's got. And the, the words are, when heaviness comes to me, I feel your kiss in my heart. And uh, when, em- when emptiness consumes me, I feel your kiss in my heart. And that's just oh, beautiful. That's lovely. Simple well, message. we send a big hug from the studio uh, here to Stephanie if she's listening. Yeah, because she's out in Greece. And I, yeah, anyway, so I'm, yeah, so yeah, she's a lovely, lovely person. She really is. And so this is why I, yeah, it just, yeah, it, I've got enough, the same feeling. Just lovely. Paul, what's yours and why is it great? Um, mine's Anna B. Savage, These Dreams. And it's great because it's just full of existential crisis kind of it it feels like a like a palate cleanser like sorbet to life do you know what i mean it's like 
it's strangely atonal, beautiful, and and musical all at mm. the same time. It, it's it feels slightly wrong in a right kind of way. You know, it just yeah, I, I it gives me something of what I get from latter um, Scott Walker albums. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it just like an antidote to <laughs> regular music. Um, and funnily enough, you know, my wife Louise put me onto it, and without her, you know, she heard. Anna B. Savage. Oh, I think you should listen to her. You know, she's she's great. I think you'd like her. Mm. And um, yeah, so it has that connection as well. Maybe I'll dedicate it yeah. to Louise. Yeah, you know, I, should, I think yeah, I should. That's a good idea. You know, a good idea. Uh, it's, um, Why you not? Know, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to copy you or, or you know, <laughs> no, do anything like that. But no, it is a, you know, it is a, a, a genuine, very good idea. It's a genuine idea. You know, yeah. and um, you know, so much so that I, I got in touch with her, and she's um, singing on the next Orbital album. Yay! Fabulous. So. They're both going on the playlist with big up to Louise and Stephanie. Um, and every week, obviously, there's a rush for artists to clear these tracks for us. And this week, it's Anna B. Savage that got in there and cleared. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the one we could get cleared. And, and we will hear a bit of the lovely, lovely These Dreams by Anna B. Savage. And on to new albums. Super Organism are a London-based seven-piece. We talked about their self-titled debut album on the pod in 2018, which feels like a billion trillion years ago, and we absolutely loved it. So will the merry indie troupe thrill us once more with worldwide pop? After everything we've been through, let's hear a bit of Into the Sun featuring Stephen Malkmus. Yes, him, the one from Pavement. Full things on the playlist. Here's a snippet. sound of superorganism there. Now, collaborators, as we've said, include Stephen, they include Chai, P. Jamar, Dylan Cartledge, as well as all sorts of others. It sounds like music made by a Tamagotchi and an internet cat meme. Alex, what were your thoughts oh, on superorganism? <laughs> Seriously, are you coming to me first? Yes, I am. <laughs> you are a terrorist. <laughs> what did I think of it? It's fun. Mm. When I was about 14, I had a little Casio synthesizer, <laughs> yeah. and it had a mode where each key was like a doorbell, a, door bar- a dog barking, a mm. telephone, mm. and it felt a little bit like someone <laughs> doing that, I'm afraid. Um, I, I, I don't get it. Right. I, I just didn't get it. It was fun. It was never offensive to my ear. It's melodic. It's upbeat. It's marvelous background um, sound, but it's not something that I would ever seek mm-hmm. to, uh, to Do you think to. it has a target audience? Do you think it's not us, TM? Absolutely. <laughs> it young people. Absolutely. Mm. 
Absolutely. Uh, I think it, it has a young audience and good for them. I'm not too sure with younger people. I'm not too, I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm just struggling with the idea. It's like, oh, is it aimed at younger people? I don't know. It's just like, uh, that seems sort of the age seems But I think that's a really that good just, point uh, because we do often think, well, if it's going to talk about the internet and it's going to talk about messaging and it's going to talk about TikTok, actually within the songs, which it does, does that mean that only people under well, 25 uh, use that because we actually all do? Okay, but, so maybe aimed, but maybe aimed at younger people yeah. is the wrong way of framing yeah. it. Maybe the right way of framing it is, is that it's made by much younger people. Yes, by, and so maybe for. I just don't get mm, a lot of mm. it. That, that, that's all. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. And so. That's kind of what I would say as well. It's not, yeah, not made for, but yeah. made by, yeah. you know. Because it sounds like a load of uh, gaming sort of noises, but, you know, sort of, you know, you can understand why the younger folk like it because that's why <laughs> they were mm. born to but that. But we are always on this show prepared to be surprised. And when we get those listeners who are over 60 who love this, I'm, you know, well up for that. I didn't want to put anyone in a box. Paul, you listened to some of this. What was your thoughts? No, I did listen mm. to some of it. Uh, now, it's not really for me. Um, I, it's, I thought it was well, I thought it was well made, you know, um, and it is it's nicely melodic um but it's kind of melodic content isn't the kind of thing that ultimately floats my boat mm. do you know what i mean it it was you know <sighs> i think you said fun earlier it's definitely mm. got a fun element it's got a strong flavor um uh, you know yeah, but ultimately, would I go and listen to it? Probably not. It sounded like a kind of, which I quite liked, it sounded like a kind of shonky version of classic modern mm-hmm. pop music. It sounded like a sort of indie yeah, version of yeah. that kind of thing, which I thought was quite quite fun about it, which I imagine, you know, it, it had a few surprises in there, you know, that you wouldn't get in a modern, mm-hmm. you know, super yes, saccharine yes. pop song. But it's almost like it was aping that kind of thing, but in its own funny quirky little way you know um yeah i mean if i gave it like if i gave it the time multiple multiple listens maybe but it was kind of for me the direction that i liked about it it was kind of leaning felt like it was leaning towards hot chip with who Mm -hmm. i do like Mm -hmm. i love hot chip um but they just do that their thing it's it's a different swagger hot chip have got a different thing going on but it's definitely kind of that that was you know when I was listening that's what I thought of I thought oh this is a bit mm-hmm. like hot chip but not as good mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. do you know what I mean um, it had that kind of that kind of yeah. element it's to it it's produced by Stuart Price of Madonna the Killers and all that sort of thing and who's been going around for ages so that makes sense he's put a pop thing to it I think it's very trebly didn't anyone think it's not you know there's a bit of bass in there but it's on a certain frequency and I found with thirteen tracks on the same sort of frequency that I was getting the same track all the time. And some of the tracks I really like, the singles and on and on, I think, great. But I thought within the whole context of an album, I kind of, the heart had stopped jumping up and down, you know, boing, boing, boing. Yeah, I mean, all of this is true. Mm. And and also it's true to say that a group of people our age listening to the first album by Madness Mm. back then Mm. might be making exactly the comments we're making. It's just... 
you know, it's it's of a particular time and a particular mm. age, I think. Mm. They look incredible. So I thought I just want to go and see them live and then for do, you know, yeah, do yeah, their yeah. thing because they just look fantastic. I think I think I think as a live band, I've seen yeah. them on the telly before and they were they were captivating. Yeah. I think, you know, this was their previous album. And um you know, various family members of, of mine all, all really liked the whole mm. shebang like that. I think to go and see them live would be a very different prospect. I think I would get it live and enjoy it, um, whereas I might not listen to the album so much. But I'm like that with quite a lot of bands. You know, I, I think you know, I think Radiohead mm. are a good live band, but I don't necessarily sit around listening mm. to them at home. Yeah, you know? I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. And you put it on your mixtape, wouldn't you? I'd definitely put a couple on the mixtape, as we used to call them. So we'd sort of fairly recommend and say go and see them live, jump up and down the front. Yeah, and also listen to the album because it's it's yeah. really quite unique. Mm. You know, you may have a completely different reaction to it. It's it's certainly not dull and it's certainly <laughs> not dreary. You it's know? not dreary. So there you go. Now on to The Baby, the new HBO Sky collaboration. 38-year-old Natasha, played by the fabulous Michelle Desuarte, is annoyed that all her friends are having babies. She just wants back her girls just want to have fun group. So when she suddenly ends up with a baby of her own, she doesn't want any part of it. The problem is... The baby wants her <laughs> and is no ordinary baby. Where has it come from? What does it want? Let's have a taster. I'd like to go over your statement. The woman fell from the cliff, followed by the baby, which I caught like this. Two police officers are dead, Natasha. A boulder had fallen on them. You think I crushed them to death with a boulder? I think there's something you're not telling me. We'll have a fun time together, won't we? Yes. What? You can trust me with your baby. This isn't my baby, Reese. Well, it is. Paul, the series, which is a collaboration between HBO and Sky, as I said, is pretty sui generis. Like, the subject is really dark, but its touch is very light. Did it draw you in? Yeah, I, I, it did draw me in because ultimately, even though it's you know, the shell of it is a is a kind of horror comedy. It's essentially about coping with early yes. motherhood. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's all. It, it's so funny. It just makes me laugh. It's uh, some of the bits that are horror. It's just like yeah, they're they're literally using horror as a metaphor for what is the general, you know parenthood situation or motherhood I should say more so you know and I thought that was that was quite funny and I didn't get bored of it do you know what I mean it's like oh yeah right that's a that's a metaphor for <laughs> dealing with this or coping with that or trying to understand that situation or just trying to get some sleep or just trying to get out for the night yeah, yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean absolutely. it's like it's I, I like the way it's um it's wrapped up in a you know a proper kind of omen-esque horror situation with you know Lots of um, inventive deaths and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. The baby uh, itself, played by twins, Albie and Arthur Hills, um, is incredibly expressive and unfathomably cute. Mm. Um, I actually had a massive argument with my partner uh, over whether it's CGI or not. Um, Uh I, I was certain that no baby could be that good at sort of acting and that cute. 
but it is actually a set of real twins. Does the fact that it's so cute make the threat more horrific or does it diffuse it? What do you think, Phil? I think it's a warning. (laughs) (laughs) It's a warning not to be taken in uh, by his welcome grin. He's imagining how well you're fit within his skin. Yeah, so I saw the trailer. I didn't really get much chance to do that. I saw most of episode one. And when I, when I saw the trailer, me and my wife, Steph, were just like, oh, come on, this is like, this is right up our street, you know. And how it turned out, it go, you know, who knows? But the idea, the sort of the Damien uh, sort of evil baby killing people, it's, it's, it's funny. Well, the, the, st- the story, <laughs> let me tell you, um, Paul is four episodes in. How many did you Oh, I've done? only done two. Okay, so I'm five You're episodes. Five. Okay. And, and I can tell you that on the fifth episode, yeah. you find a lot about the backstory, a lot about how and why the baby right. first yeah. came into existence. And it is genuinely a, a, a loop that you won't expect. So I highly okay. recommend that you stick with it. Um, Sean, um like I said, I've watched five episodes. I've not seen a single man, other than the baby, obviously, other than in very, very small parts. Mm. Um, the drama unfolds between women and mostly women of color. The, mm. the series was created and written by women. The episodes are mostly directed mm. by women. Does it show in the end product? I think it certainly does, because there are points where, even on EastEnders or Coronation Street, where they have a real baby and they wheel it in, where you're holding a baby, but you can tell that the baby's half asleep or something, you know, within the scene. Mm. There's a point where she's holding the baby, and the scene's three or four minutes long, quite a long time to hold a baby that doesn't want to be held, and they don't cut from it. And it's that horrible, you say, it is the horrors of parenthood. If You've got this thing that's doing (laughs) what it wants. It's not doing what you want it to do, and then suddenly it's going to poo everywhere, something's going to be sick, <laughs> it's going to be doing that, and you hate it. And there are points, as, as we know, as parents, sometimes we really love our children, but sometimes we really, really find them difficult. And so to explore that, as Paul is saying, this is just really, really well done. I thought it was just sensitive to tone. As you're saying, it's funny in a lot of points. Yeah. But then the underlying thing of this is this terrifying prospect, and also now we have the thing hanging over us, the Wade versus Roe re-ruling, and the idea that if you don't have a planned parenthood if you know if if a baby comes to you and it's not in the ideal circumstances how do you deal with it's, it it's, how do you hold it together it's without interesting going you crazy? mentioned so i actually think that there's a really big deep thing on within it it's interesting that you mentioned that because you know i was expect first of all because i knew it was an hbo sky mm. thing i was expecting something american mm-hmm. and when it first came on i thought oh god it's british mm. and then as it went on, I thought, it's really, really British. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's got that vibe to it. And I thought, is there an international market to it? And then I thought, actually, on a fundamental level, it's about a woman who doesn't want this baby. So maybe it's a perfect thing for America She keeps trying to leave the baby and somehow the baby will follow her or she'll have to bring the baby with her. It's incredible in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was great, absolutely great. It's just like real life. <laughs> isn't the baby? Isn't the baby a boy? The baby's the baby a boy, a boy. and yeah. there's a point where she does realise it's a boy, but you don't know at the at the start. So what are we saying about that? Do you know what I'm saying? You're saying that there's no uh, other men in it, and the baby. Well, he said, like, yeah, but the, part the baby from is the, baby. the evil, controlling. Uh, you know, it might develop into. Uh, yeah, mm. it's it's interesting. A world about 
male domination. Yes, and as I said, keep pushing because episode five, you will okay. find that there are yeah, really big parallels. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, really, can really I ask it. everyone on the panel as a final mm. question? How do how do you feel about limited series? This is marketed as a quote limited series. Projects that are self-contained and openly signal, this is it. We're not going to try and spin this out for mm. 26 years like Lost. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Could it have been a film? Is, does it work as a series? Do you want more at the end of it? Is it disappointing that they're saying from the start, this is it? I always It's, thought. I always took it. Sorry, I always took it as a limited, as a, like a bit of a marketing thing, and like sort of suck it and see. They put the limited series there. So if you're not signed up for it or whatever, and you want to see that, oh, quick, we've got to oh, sign maybe. up. Oh, maybe I hadn't thought of that. that. Or, or it could be they, they, you know, they're just sort of trying to like encourage people to watch it. You know, I think they're just covering their asses in case it doesn't work and they can't make series <laughs> two. I mean, let's face it: if the baby is a massive, huge success globally, you're telling me they're not going to unlimit yeah, that yeah, limited yeah. series and make yeah. series two? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The yeah. toddler, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like it's, you it's know, then the adolescent. That would be truly <laughs> horrific. You know, it reminded me. Of, it reminded me a bit of that cartoon. The uh, what's that? The boss. You mean the baby's the boss? Yes, oh, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. You're right. Um, I I can't think of. A thing that's been marketed as a limited series, and then because of this of its success, they made more of it. So I don't examples. know. There must We be some examples. Of, yeah. Well, people can write in and tell us. I've got something to say about about the baby, which no one's mm. covered, um, and that is, I think the music mm. is fantastic. Yeah. Um, the the and I can't remember. The, I've never heard of the person, the woman that did the score, but mm. I think. She's only done, I, I checked her out on IMDb and I think she's only done this, you know, and it's, it kind of tells in the sense that she's not falling into all the traps of just bog standard, boring television music. She's really kind of doing something mm. fresh mm. and it just, it just feels really kind of vital and solid and helps make the, sh gives, gives the show an identity. I think the music's fantastic in it. I really do. It's, it's, point, I've been yeah. watching it and just going, wow, check that out. Yeah. That's brilliant. And the, you know, the, even the, the, you know, repetitive bits that come for the, the horror moments, it's a really, you know, for, for a piece of creepy music, which, you know, is, has to fulfill its obligation of being a piece of creepy music. It's really solid. It's really kind of oh yeah, it's that you know, but it's that theme again. It's it's good. I I, I think the music's fantastic. But that depends a lot on the uh, director and stuff, isn't it? About oh yeah, uh, she's been allowed to do her thing, yeah. or, or or you know, or, just like click together and it, yeah, yeah. It's just it's totally just brilliant. Agree. I love yeah. it. I love it. It's modern. It's really modern music. And it's whenever I hear music like that on telly, I just think yeah, brilliant. That's it. You're pushing forwards with with score music. Yeah, and um. You know, there there are people doing that, or people. Be, I say people do. There, there are people being allowed to do that, and it's great when you hear it. You know, well, it's yeah. big thumbs up from all of us yes. here, Our thumbs and, are and bigger than they were. You know, falling area. hot on the heels of uh, Midwich Cuckoos, mm -hmm. which we also love. Yeah. It seems Sky yeah. are knocking it out of the park at the moment. Mm -hmm. So the baby is on Sky uh, from this weekend, actually. I think yesterday, Thursday the seventh, the first episode dropped. Finally, regular listeners will know that we also ask our guests to bring in their favourite songs of all time to add to our playlist. And why not? Paul Hartner, 
What have you chosen? Yeah, well, my my favourite song of all time today is um, <laughs> is <laughs> anyone who had a heart by Cilla Black. I mean, really, I can't listen to that without welling with emotion. Her voice is like it's just a mighty force on that track, you know. And it's uh, you know, Burt Bacharach, tra- you know, it's like what's not to love about that combination? Burt Bacharach and Cilla Black. It's, it's fantastic. Brilliant. I love, I love a bit of Cilla. I love a bit of Cilla myself. Now, even when pressed, Phil said he didn't have a favourite song of all time. We find that hard to believe. Um, Phil, if you had to choose a tune. Um, I could have to go way back and say Young, Gifted and Black. Bob Andy and Marcia Griffiths. Yeah, when we were growing up, uh, our cousins used to be like little DJs. One played Tabula Motown, (laughs) one was Trojan Reggae (laughs) Scar. From back in the sixties, so this is what we were uh, had at the parties, and that, I don't know why, but it's like that one always stuck out for me when I was little. Great, and it, it stuck out for me eight. when I was yeah, little as I well. Do you know what it is for it's me? I know it's like, one of those weird things when I was little. It's the the little plonk after gifted, young, yeah. gifted, and black plonk, and I just used to love that. So every time as a kid, I'd know. wait for that sound. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's all those subject matter, young, gifted, and black. It's like fucking celebrating, you know. Uh, that scar whole scar mm. movement that came mm. over, you know, excellent, good choice, completely influenced, completely influenced the uh, dance floor and everything like. Um, yeah, and, and the then music. the Tories tried to send them all back. With the yeah, Paul Windrush no, generation, you know. So fucking other words. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> other words. That was a bloody fucking like, like the culture yeah. of England. Yeah. Brilliant. So we will drop both of those on our rolling playlist, and the link, as you know, is in the show notes. And with that, we're at the end of the podcast and it's closing time chatter. What we will be discussing as we hold out our open hand for the magic mighty Thora Habba, as I'm going to call it now, and realise we've been handed a grapefruit spoon. (laughs) Paul, what's your closing time chatter? We believe you're obsessed with the Brutalist Village. (laughs) What what have I... Yeah, I I don't know. Um, What have I been doing culturally? You know, I've been been listening to that band Horror. Crikey. Tell us about yeah. it. No. Have you heard of them? No. Kind of like experimental thrash metal wow. hip hop from America. It's, like, it's, it's, it's actually there. frightening. I, I, I listened to it with, you know, it's something. It's got the right name. Yeah, it's something. Yeah, but the, the R's are all nines. So it's kind of wow. really creepy. So it's got like oh, a 666 yeah. upside down oh, in the no, name. Yeah. You know, no, we're all it's like brilliant. Back, um, but I love a bit of thrash metal. You mm. know, I, I love that kind of thing. And you know, occasionally I'll enjoy a, a bit of modern hip hop and they've kind of put the two things yeah. together. And then all of a sudden it'll go into some kind of light soul <laughs> moment and then back into the thrash metal. It's like, it's like sort of <laughs> cardiacs on weird American steroids or something. It's really, really strange. Whereabouts are they from in America? Do you know? I think they're LA based, but I think they may have come from the East Coast some, right. at some point. Um, and I can't. The weird thing is, I can't say I actually like it. It's it. That's what I. That's what intrigues me about it as a musical mm. element. I listen to it. and It's like I can't listen. It's just so like dark and and crazy. So was it a conundrum and, for you? Like, yeah, yeah. But it's like it's. it's I'm literally like the the dog, you know, twisting its head trying to understand a television oh, or something. I'm going, whoa! This that's is great. This is great. This is mad, and I don't really yeah. get it. Oh, yeah. You know. Um, 
It yeah, does it trigger emotions then when you like it? does trigger emotions. Heavy metal always triggers emotions for me. I just, down? no, no, inside I jump up yeah, and down. Right, okay. Outside I'm just normally stone faced, <laughs> I think, you know, head down, eyes <laughs> furrowed. But, um, you know, that it speaks to me, that kind of that kind of guitar music, especially when it's got a bit of emotion to it. You know, I'm, you know I, I'm still locked into all my old anarcho punk music, like rudimentary peni and flux of pink Indians. And so it kind of mm. appeals to that part of me, you know, and I, and, and the part that, that loves Metallica as well, you know? Um, yeah. It's, yeah. It's fascinating. I, I haven't understood it yet. And it's one of those things. It's like, I've picked up a piece of music and it's like, Oh, mm. my mind mm. hasn't got its head around that. That's a brilliant thing to be able to do in 2022, Absolutely. you know, to someone who works in music. It's like, brilliant. What's this then? The person who does that for me is Carl Stone. Have you heard of him? Who is, I think, LA-based and he's a sampler. No. I'm going to listen to Carl Stone. That is music I absolutely, completely don't understand. And I would um, recommend Wet Dong Moonleck, the new album, which is just, it just mangles your mind listening to it. It's completely from another dimension, as we've been talking about dimensions. So uh, that's that's one of mine. That's a, that's a good recommendation. Yeah. So, Phil. Yeah. My, my little final piece, I'm just like, uh, you know, peace, love in the world, and, you know, it's a bit too late to save the earth. We're a bit doomed, mm. I must say. Uh, so, anyway, what? that's not it. You just turned uh, into a street uh, corner uh, lunatic. I don't know. I know. What not <laughs> uh, look, severance. Severance. Oh, oh severance. That's touched mm. me, like, that severance. And I'm not even joking, and the music... Uh, Thomas Shapiro, yeah, no, Theodore, Theodore Shapiro, Theodore Thomas, Theodore. He he was the one, and that's just so brilliant. And like what Paul was saying about soundtrack, and that the, they got that. Din, 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 din. Yeah, the music further it for just fucking rolled all the way through. It's brilliant. It's really brilliant, and the whole concept of that that blew mm. me away. There's some really great um, TV score. Yeah, um, scores going on at the moment. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, we've discussed them a lot yes, yes. recently. And They've really gone up. So the, the concept of severance, yeah, the concept of severance. It's like I'm not too sure that they uh, thought uh, it was going to uh, like people who identify mm. with that. So, I don't know who knows, who knows, but it was like brilliant, brilliant. Love it. So if I'm allowed to, I'll try to make them short. The first is. Um, R.I.P. James Khan. Mm -hmm. I mean, absolute legend. Mm, mm. Most people will associate him with things like The Godfather and, you know, comedies like Elf because he he made a lot of films. Mm. I think he made 140 movies. Mm. James Khan. He never can't. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's a legacy, isn't it? But yeah, 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 the actor. He died yesterday, aged 82. Oh, I um, but for me, as a horror and sci-fi fan, Obviously, misery. I mean, mm, the, of course, yes, the most yes. splendid, effectively staged two-hander ever committed to film, really. Um, and rollerball. Oh, yeah, yeah. Huge, influential, violent, brilliant film. Now, shall I tell you something that will just depress all of you deeply? Rollerball, no. rollerball no. is set in 2018. <laughs> Well, there we go. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. And and then my second thing is the Bob Dylan auction oh, yes. that went on yesterday for this unique recording of Blowing in the Wind, mm. went for one and a half million. I don't care about any of that. What I care about is that um, on the catalogue, it's described as 
is described as being committed to an ionic original disc made of aluminium, treated with a layer of nitrocellulose, then coated with a sapphire and quartz gradient, but is playable on any regular turntable. Now, as a as a big vinyl collector, I don't care about the the actual mm. track, mm. but oh my God, give me one of those records with anything on it why, to why, play. Wait a minute, what's the attraction? What's the attraction? The must it, it's effectively a new kind of... Uh, vi- it's, a, it's a new so, so surface. Plastic, plastic yeah. free. It's a new surface mm. for vinyl mm. turntable records. Mm. Hadron um, Collider. So yeah, I'm, I'm just desperate to hear it and see what the sound quality is like, and but not the actual track. What's yours, Sean? Um, I'm... <laughs> I'm loving the gentle minions train. train. <laughs> My son went to see uh, minions as an ironic gesture with his other 17-year-old friends, and he went. There were all these 12-year-olds in the audience. And they were all dressed in suits, and we didn't. We just thought it was silly, and you could tell he really envied them. <laughs> really wanted to be the 12-year-olds in suits, and I just like the fact that the kids have gone right. We're going to do this thing, and then it's, almost, <laughs> it's a bit like the baby. The kids are taking over. They've decided to wear suits to minions and cause havoc. I just think that's the most exciting thing ever that's <laughs> punk rock for now isn't it that's the 100 club that's uh, manchester university isn't it so um i just big up the gentle minions and i may, I may be a gentle gentlewoman minion by next friday okay <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast thanks so much to phil and paul from orbital for joining us in the culture bunker thank you guys Oh, thanks Thank for having us. It's a you. pleasure as always. Yeah. 30 Something is out on the 29th of July. There are, of course, some tasters on our rolling playlist where you can get all the tunes we talked about today. The link is at the top of the show notes. From myself and Sean and producers Alex Reese, Yelena Sofronievich and Jade Bailey, thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Bye. The Culture Bunker was written and presented by Sean Pattenden and Alex Andreev. And the producers were Yelena Sofronievich and me, Jade Bailey. Group editor Andrew Harrison, theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Culture Bunker is a Podmasters production.